Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back, we're black, we're brown, ambition, 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 ambition. I, you know, I love something a little soft to that today. <laughs> hey, Mandy. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. Last night, I don't I don't know if it's a weather change, but I thought I was going to die last night. I had sneezing, coughing, like, I'm like, where did this come from out of the blue? And But I took Benadryl, went to sleep, and woke up my regular self. So I'm feeling much better. Benadryl, you say, interesting. It's this dry air, I feel like. Like the cold I don't has know. just sucked all the humidity out of the air, and it's left me. Yeah. Struggling. I don't know if it's, I, I, I wasn't sure. I'm like, is it allergies? Is it, because I don't feel sick. And that's typically how I know it's an allergy. If it's like, I don't feel sick, but my eyes and my nose are saying something different. Like I'm not exhausted. I'm not like worn out, but I'm like, my nose was running like I was three years old. I'm like, what's happening? Sinuses. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it it was. But that Benadryl boy, meanwhile, a Superman was trying to convince me of Mucinex. I'm like, sir, can you read the label? It says coughing, all the things I didn't have. But he just swear that Mucinex is a cure all for everything. I'm like, it doesn't. None of my symptoms are on the front. And he was like, you fight me on everything. He was. <laughs> he's like, yo, every time I make a suggestion. But I'm like, but if your suggestion doesn't make sense, sir, I don't need Mucinex. I'm not. I'm not coughing up phlegm. I don't. Like literally, none of my things are on it. Like, look at Benadryl. It says sneezing, runny eyes, runny nose. That is me. I you picture you guys in the Dwayne Reed aisle having this conversation <laughs> like so vividly because it's definitely been me and Husband. Is it weird that I feel like I'm talking to our listeners in the future? Because yes. this show is airing after Thanksgiving. Where will I be after Thanksgiving? I could be in the hospital. Yes. I could be bleary-eyed, falling asleep in a recliner with, like, my boobs leaking, like, <laughs> with a newborn. I don't know where I'm going to be in a week and a half when this show airs. But um, I wish myself well. I hope <laughs> Hang in there, girl. Hang in there. <laughs> I wish myself well. That's hilarious. Good um, luck to Mandy in the future. So uh, we decided yeah. we were going to tape something evergreen for y'all um, because I feel like when I started my business as an entrepreneur, I feel like I didn't know any entrepreneurs in real life. I mean, I knew people who were just starting like me, but I would always wonder how did like my local small entrepreneur who wasn't like a bakery or like, you know, an accountant, how do they actually make money? And it was like this secret. And I would ask people because I'm pretty transparent and they would skirt around the question. And I'm like, so, cause I'd be curious how, if I'd see someone online, I'm like, Hmm, she has a, you know, whatever, like a, she's a travel influencer, but how does she actually make money? And I found that people didn't want to share. Maybe they weren't making money. I don't know, but we figured we'd do a show where I pull back the curtain of 
10 years worth of, of work that I've done as the budgetista and how I made money in the beginning, middle, and where I am now and how we make money. And I'll share some numbers with you. I'm, I'm honestly super open about, um, you know, like how much I make, um, and what makes a lot and what, you know, what's different now than before. So Mandra's going to be her journalist self, ask me some questions and I'm excited to share. Yeah. Mandy Kirk in the house. <laughs> I'm excited to get to grill you because also I, one of my biggest pet peeves as a writer all these years talking to, like Tiffany and I met because I did a story on her when I was a reporter at Business Insider, you know, a long time ago, like 2013 or 2014, mm-hmm. I found her website, the Budget Nista. I wanted to, and at the time I was writing about a lot of these personal finance personalities who had emerged after the recession and were offering guidance to people who were struggling to recover And, um, you know, I figured these people must be making money somehow. But one of my pet peeves is that you would have people kind of like positioning themselves as if they've mastered their finances and gotten out of debt. And they're kind of turning around and making money off selling that story from like blog posts and stuff. And anyway, sometimes people just wouldn't be very transparent. And I and one of the things I liked about Tiffany is she was always sort of upfront, like, you know, here's my business model. And it wasn't just about selling people a dream it was it was about you know creating a, a like a lasting product or products or diversifying income streams so that she's giving value to people but also building a business and sustaining it for herself you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah i mean obviously i admire tiffany a lot and uh yeah, I, thanks, man. I i and i'm so yeah thank you for for opening up cuz i feel like other people who want to how many people, when we, when we asked them for the wildest dreams, responded to us, I want to be a coach. I want to be an influencer. Mm-hmm. I want to do, I want to have speak, I want to be a speaker. These are the types of jobs or types of businesses that are, I think, most difficult for people to figure out how do you make a living off of that and how do you make it work. So let's get to it, Tiffany. So take us back to when you first, because I know it took you a while before Budget needs to made money. <laughs> yes, what, a long while. What was one of the first like aha moments for you where you're like, oh, I can make income off of this. And then you just were like, you went for it with the business. Um, I would say, so 2008, I actually registered the business, the budget needs to, because I, my assumption, I was still teaching then. And it wasn't, to me, it wasn't going to be a business. It was just going to be an avenue for me to volunteer. So the budget needs to was meant to be a nonprofit because I really believe like living a life of service and I love teaching. So I was like, Oh, and I, w- I found myself doing a lot of volunteer work with, um, with kids outside of, you know, teaching, day- teaching, um, preschool and, but I wanted a fun name. And so that's when my sister Lisa told me that I was not the fashionista indeed, though I could be the budget nista. Um, and so that's how that name started. And that was the original intent behind the budget nista to be a nonprofit. Then 2009 happened and I lost my job along a ton of other people. And even then I was trying to figure out, so what do I do with this thing that I was using to volunteer? So I told myself, I'm going to continue to volunteer, but ramp up. And in that year, I was trying to figure out what did I want to do with my life? I, I told myself I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. Uh, I was tired of the administration, not the kids, because they were awesome. And so I was trying, I thought maybe I'd be an event planner. I was trying out all these different hats while still volunteering and teaching financial education. And everywhere that I'd volunteer in a different capacity, I would find myself teaching financial education anyway. Like the janitor, the principal, whoever I was, someone would ask me money questions and I would light up and teach it. Um, so all 2009, I was just volunteering and I was living off unemployment. I think by then I had moved back home with my parents. 
I mean, I rented out my condo that I bought when I was 25. And then at the end of 2009, like I knew my unemployment wasn't going to last that much longer. And I think I helped a friend, then a friend of a friend. And then somehow a friend of a friend of a friend like messaged me and said, could I help them? And how much did I cost? That was the aha moment. I would say probably the beginning of 2010. And I was like, I don't cost anything. And I remember my, so my she best wanted friend. she wanted you to like coach her personally, like a person, yeah. like a money coach, mm-hmm. and pay you. But for I couldn't it. even, yeah, I couldn't even wrap my mind around it because I didn't, I wasn't thinking of the budget needs to that way. It was just an avenue for me to volunteer while I was trying to figure out that in this stage of my life what did I want to do now that I knew I didn't want to go back to the classroom. By then I had my master's in education, and I'm like, I know I don't want to be a principal. That was what that master's was for. But I was like, yeah, that sucks. Um, and so when that happened, I, it was the first time I thought someone would pay me for that because I, it didn't even cross my mind, honestly, Mandy, that someone would pay me to sit down because by then I was just doing friends like, girl, your budget is a mess. Look at this. Let's write this down. And so when she asked that, I remember I told Drina and I said, girl, you know, such and such friend of a friend asked me how much did I cost to like help her with her budget? But girl, I don't do that. She's like, you do Tiffany every weekend you're helping someone. I'm like, yeah, but I don't cost anything. And she's like, do you have money? I said, no. She said, then you should cost something. <laughs> and, I remember, and I remember not knowing what to charge because how do you know? And so I think, I think at the time I called my friend Veronica, who was doing like consulting work. She was like the only one I knew that was even remotely in that arena. She did consulting work, but for like marketing or something like that. And she was, was like, um, you should charge $150 an hour. And I was like, that seems like a lot of money, you know? But, and I, so I think I was like, it'll be a hundred dollars for me to sit down with you, no matter how long it, it, it would take. And it would be like 75 if we did it on the phone versus like me coming to you. So the first time I went and sat down with someone, we, it was like three hours. So, and then at the end, she was like, me where her kids were in the house. She was a single mom. And you were doing uh, house calls. That's so funny. I I was. (laughs) And then it turned out when we did her budget together, she was like negative 500 bucks a month. So I'm looking at her, I'm looking at the kids. I'm like, this girl does not have a hundred dollars to pay me. And so she was getting ready to pay me. And in good conscience, honestly, I couldn't take it because I'd seen her money. And it wasn't like she was like 25. She'll be fine. I'm looking like the kids. She's here by herself. She's trying to figure it out. I just couldn't stomach it. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't even worry about it. She's like, no, Tiffany, you helped so much. I'm like, yeah, girl, but your budget, you don't have it. You don't. I just you don't have it. And that happened a number of times before I said, "Okay, this I was still on unemployment. But I knew that business model was not going to work because it wasn't in alignment with how I wanted to help people. Because I get it. I mean, people will tell you like, well, people will buy Jordans. They should pay you. Maybe so. But there's nothing like coming to someone's home and meeting their family and looking at the numbers. And the numbers honestly say it's not there. And then you taking from them anyway. I couldn't stomach it. So I said, I'm not going to do any more um, one-on-ones, but there has to be a better way than this one-on-one thing. And um, I had a um, a mentor at the time. Her name was uh, Christine. And um, she had some million dollar company. And I told her, you know, like, what do you think I should do? She said, well, you need to get contracts. And I was like, well, what does that mean? She was like, you have to get someone to pay you to do the thing you want to do. And I was like, okay, good. And she's like, well, gotta go. And I was like, wait, Christine, I, I need more in depth. And that's what she, that's literally all she said. <laughs> you just have like a <laughs> note card with contracts written on it. Contracts, exclamation yes. point. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and by then, I think I, I was like, you know, my, I didn't want to live with my parents anymore. I think by then I was sleeping on my sister Tracy's couch. So I would say by then I probably was uh, 
uh, uh, it was probably 2011, I guess. So I, I think I was like 30 or 31 by then. So really living it up on my sister's couch. And I remember like writing down contracts and trying to figure out, so who could I go to for contracts and being so frustrated because I was like, yo, like it's been two years. I'm broker now at age 30, 31 than I was at age 16. Like unemployment's going to run out in another six months. I don't know what to do. Like um, my, my condo, I'm losing it because although I'm getting rent for it, it wasn't covering my mortgage. My mortgage was 1660 and my rent was 1200 I didn't have the 400 bucks to cover it. Everything was falling apart. And I just remember thinking like, it doesn't literally get much worse than this, but it did. So, uh, and, and so I, for a long time, I didn't know what to do about that contract situation. And I literally was just living off unemployment until... Finally, I thought to myself, okay, let me list all of the resources I do have available to me and which were very minimal. But one thing I remember thinking was I do have emails because when I would volunteer, you know, typically, you know, they contact you via email or you sign up for some email list. And I said, well, I'm going to email everyone that I've gotten their email from, from the last year. And I'm going to say, Hey, it's me, Tiffany, that I did this volunteer work for you. I teach financial education and I would love to do that for your organization. So I emailed probably was like 50 emails that I had and one person emailed back, Catherine Wilson, community developer for the United way. It was like her week, her first week in that position. And she was like, um, Amy, who you emailed or Brooke, who you emailed no longer works here. And I was like, uh, you? I literally wrote that back. Can I meet you? And she was like, sure. So the next day or that week I went to meet Catherine and it was perfect timing because she had just gotten this role of her job was to get, um, to, to, to grow, I guess like, like classes or whatever. The United Way wasn't really known for much in Newark. And she was trying to figure out how do we develop a better relationship with the community and how do we like, how, what, in what ways can we serve the community? So when I met her, we hit it. We're still, I actually just had lunch with her like a week ago. We're still like really good friends to this day. We hit it off. She's the same age as me. And we were just like laughing and giggling. And like, I, I, I as I was running out of the house, I brought my book. I'd written this book, The One Week Budget. But I wrote it when I was teaching preschool because even then I was helping my friends and I actually wrote it like in an actual notebook. So my friends who would ask me to help them with their budget, I would bring this notebook with me. And during my unemployment, I said, you know, I should I should make this notebook into an actual book. And so I self-published through what was then called Create Space. It was Amazon's um, self-publishing arm. So I had this book that I'd written that no one bought except for like my friends the first month. And it was like languishing. So I, I had a bunch of copies in the house and I said, let me bring this with me. So as we were talking, she opened up about her financial struggles. And so we, I ended up giving her a session because we just had such a good time. And she was like, that was amazing. Do you think that you could do this for my staff? I was like, yeah, you think you could prepay? <laughs> kidding, but not really kidding. Can you prepay? <laughs> and she was like, sure. So she wrote me a check. I think it was, I want to say, she said 300 or $500, something like that, something so within that. Did range. she ask you how much would you charge to teach the staff? Um, no, she just said like, would three or like, I didn't even know. So she just said, would whatever it was like three or $500, would that be enough? And I said, sure. Cause I had no concept of what I should charge. And you, I, weren't, you weren't like how many people, how long, how much time? I, no. <laughs> I tell you, I was at the end of my, cause I was like, unemployment runs out in like a month. I have no money. So whatever she could have said 50 bucks, I'd be like, I'll be there. Um, and so she just, you know, she offered up that amount. She likely probably did ask me. And I probably said, honestly, I don't know. And she probably, you know, like I said, she said, I think it was like $500. And I said, okay. And I, yes, it was around 500 because a week before a friend of mine, Diessa, 
was living in this room. She had a whole house downtown Newark. A woman was renting out each room in this whole big, beautiful house. And I'd met Diessa while volunteering, and she was really nice. And she told me, hey, the house that I'm living in is empty. I only rent a room, but I'm afraid that she's going to rent it out to random strangers. If you're looking for a place to stay, each room is 500 bucks. But I didn't really have 500 bucks. But I remember with this contract with Catherine, I was like, oh, this is my 500 bucks. So... I came and I taught the lesson. Like one thing I am, like I'm not good at a lot of stuff, but one thing I am really good at is teaching. And so I brought my A++ game. I went to TD Bank and stole all those pens. Well, not stole, just, you know, took them. Um, All those pens. I went to the dollar (laughs) store and got all these folders. Um, I brought my book, The One Week Budget for each person. Um, And like I printed out, I had my friends who worked in corporate to print out all my handouts and I taught my little heart out during their lunch and learn. And it went really well, so much so that people in the company that were not there that day told Catherine, that's not fair. We missed out. Can you bring her back? So she called me and said, can you come back next week? And I was like, yes. Woohoo. Now I have too much rent. So were you depositing this check into Tiffany's budget, like your checking account, or did you have the business set up already? I did not have a business set up. It was just Tiffany. Like it wasn't, it took me like four years to have like any sort of real business. So this was just hand to mouth. I was like, woohoo, $500. The first two years, I didn't even pay taxes. And so Carlos was like, do you want to go to jail? Carlos is my accountant. He caught me at ShopRite because I was avoiding him. (laughs) And so like, honestly, it was hand to mouth. I was like, as soon as I got a check, it paid for something. Um, And it was just Tiffany. Everyone just paid Tiffany. I I would say for the first three or four years of business, I was not conducting business like a business owner. I was conducting business as just myself. Um, Even though I had like my business registered, I wasn't, you know, like I I didn't know anything about really running a business. So I, I, I did that. I, um, you know, I taught there, I, I did the second round and she was like, that's so good. Can you do this for the community that we have a financial education um, program called the IDA program, the individual development account program, a bank gives us money and people have to take classes. And then we give them money for a house education or a house or a business. And it was like a four to one match up to $2,000. But she's like, people are not coming to take the class because they're boring, but you're fun. So if you taught the class, we could give away this money the bank has given us to people. And I said, okay. So the first class, I, she said, well, how, how long is your series? And when I tell you, I made it up, I said six, six weeks, like, you know, like she wanted to know like my, the, the, the series of classes that I magically supposedly taught prior but she kind of knew because she gave me like this booklet was like, okay, here's a book of like a real class. <laughs> Just mirror it to this. But one thing I am good at is writing curriculum and, and like I said, teaching. So I told her six weeks and I, I developed a six week program, but I didn't know how to do a proposal. So I, I tweeted, help, I need help with a proposal. A woman named Michelle Thomas, I'll never forget, had seen all the volunteer work I, I did. I didn't know at the time she was the communications director for the city of Newark. She was just a woman on Twitter that we would tweet uh, like back and forth, back when Twitter was really localized. Um, and so I gave her all of my stuff, Michelle Thomas, and she put it in in, in um, pr- pr- proposal form. And when I tell you, I still use that proposal to this day. It has made me hundreds of thousands of dollars and I give it away to people all the time because it was so great. From and Twitter, so, that's so funny. I know, can you imagine? I literally tweeted, help! But because back then, I used to also tweet all of my volunteer stuff to ask if anybody wanted to come with me. So she saw what I was doing in the community and was like, I see how much service you've been doing over the last few years in in the community of Newark, where I live, and I would love to be of service back to you. And so I was like, oh, that was nice. And um, she gave me that proposal. I gave it to Catherine, and I I got it. I think they were paying me, that was when it was 300 bucks a class. So what was that, $1,800? And that was amazing because I was like, okay, now we're in business. Finally, that contract that Christine, my um, 
my mentor told me. And so I started like with the United Way doing these cohorts. And the first one, I think only five people showed up because the United Way did all the marketing. So this is where I learned how to market. Um, and so I thought to myself, if not enough people come, they're not going to hire me back to teach five people. So I asked her, can I share these classes um, online on social media? At the time, it was just Twitter and, and Facebook. And, and were you calling yourself the budget nista yet? Yeah, kind of. I mean, the business was because, by, you know, I had the budget nista, the name since 2008, but I wasn't really doing much with it. I would say by 2011, 2012, then I started to really lean into it because I, I think I even changed my name on Facebook to Tiffany the Budget Nista Aliche. Uh, because I wanted people, because because I started to advertise the classes with the United Way, and I wanted people to know, like, hey, I, this is what I do. Um, and okay. so, I, I want to leave people on a cliffhanger. So you're going to figure out how to market your own business yourself. And th- what year is this again? This is about 2011, 2012. All right. So Facebook ads were a thing, probably at the time. No. Well, maybe, but I didn't. I wasn't using Facebook ads at all. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and figure out how you started to market your brand, because I feel like that is one of the earliest things that entrepreneurs have to learn how to like do themselves because you don't have money to like hire a firm, right? A firm to do that for you yet, right? Okay. So quick break. We'll come back with more of how the budget Nista makes her money. Loving it. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And we're back. Okay. So tell us when you first decided I need to take my own marketing into my own hands. How do you do that when you don't quite have money to like hire people? So what I learned from volunteering was that if I wanted people to come out, I'd had, I had to basically show like, Hey, I'm doing this today. Would you want to come? So I said, I'm just going to do that. But for this for to come to my class at the United Way. So I had already taken a lot of pictures from that first cohort. So I would use those pictures to say, hey, teaching a financial education class at the United Way, space is limited. If you'd like to come, register here. Like I send them to wherever it was at the United Way they had to go. And people started to like really respond. So I think the second cohort, we had like, you know, maybe like 10 to 15 people. And I learned that, honestly, I learned to start to market in the moment. So right before class would start, I I would always get there like an hour early and I would set up the room and look really nice. And I would take a picture and say, can't wait to teach class tonight. If you're interested in next cohort, go here. 
So that's how I really started to market. Basically, my marketing is just to show what I'm actually doing. They give you the opportunity to participate. So that's what I would just do time and time again. And before long, you know, like class went from five people to 15 to 20 to 50. So we had to get another room. Like we had 100 people signed up once. And it was great. Um, and um, But you weren't it, getting paid more per head, right? No, I wasn't. You were just but trying I wanted, to establish that you were a draw. Exactly. But and also, too, honestly, for me, I wanted classes to continue because I wanted the United Way to see value in what I was doing so they could continue to pay me. And it was a great for me. It was the perfect business model for what I wanted to do, which is I, I wanted to help as many people as possible without being a financial burden on those people. So it's perfect because the United Way pays me and I can help as many people as this room can fit. So I wasn't really thinking about it like as I should be getting paid more. There's more people here. I didn't care about that, honestly. I, I wanted obviously to be paid, but I also really wanted to serve and it allowed me to do both. So that was that business model, which was get someone, an entity to pay you to do the good deeds. That's, that was like a, a, a perfect business model for me starting. So it started um, with United Way. And when did you mm-hmm. start adding other companies and how long did you take that business model forward? So the... The United Way, I, I, I say I did, I did the United Way for about three years, but in 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 doing the United Way and in um in like uh, advertising for the United Way, there was like this secondary bonus in that people who didn't live in Jersey started to see what I was doing because people would be posting there, or like the people in class would post, and so people started to ask me, "How can you come do this where we are? You know, can you come to Philadelphia? Can you come to?" Most people didn't have money. Um, so I, I was like, no, <laughs> but it started to grow the brand outside of New Jersey. And I didn't realize what a strong name the United Way had just like globally, because once I did the United Way, then colleges started to reach out and other organizations in Jersey started to reach out. Cause they were like, well, if you've been vetted by the United Way, come speak at Rutgers, come speak at Princeton. And I found that colleges were a great place to make money because typically it was like a kid. That So the way colleges work is that the money is disseminated in the beginning of the year to all the like fraternity sororities and clubs and stuff. So all the vetting is done in the beginning. And then they give the money to these different clubs. And it's like a 17, 18-year-old kid who is making the final decision because the red tape has already been done. And so if you can connect with the student body president, and that's what my first college was keen because a friend of mine, his brother was like vice president of student body, you know, whatever, the student body. And so they paid me $1,700, which I almost fainted. Because I was like, you know, to come speak because they had the they had the budget. So that that happened as a result of all the social posting just really helped to establish me as someone who does this. And was that your first paid to speak gig? Uh, Apart yes, from the classes. I, I, yes, it was my first first like standing up in front of an audience, although I, I had landed one before, but I lost it. It was a nursing home. Was it a nursing home? Something to that effect. And they were going to pay me, I think, like 600 bucks. And ugh, stupid me went to Twitter, was like, oh my God, such and such nursing home just hired me and they're paying me doctor rates. Can you imagine? I tweeted, Ooh. when I tell you, Mandy, within <laughs> 30 minutes, I got an email. Um, yeah, we no longer, <laughs> we no longer want to work with you. It was, when I tell you a blow, but it was such a valuable lesson to learn in the beginning. And I, I wasn't trying to brag. I just couldn't believe someone agreed to pay me. I forget how much it was, but it, to me, it was so significant. And I wanted to share the good news. I'm talking about they pay me doctor rates. To hear the woman on the phone <laughs> read back my tweet to me that was sent to corporate. I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh. <laughs> she was like, and it was a sister girl. And she was like, girl, you can't do that. And I was like, so they don't want me to come in? She's like, no, because they're afraid that, like, 
you're gonna like you know we uh, like the nursing home or wherever facility she's like we, we're you know we have privacy like clauses and you've already like violated one of them basically and so unfortunately no we have to rescind our our invite and I was crushed but you know what it was a valuable lesson learned <laughs> and then and then Keen Keen came calling um and so, but one of the things I was consistent, I don't do this as much now, but one of the things I was really consistent was that whenever I spoke volunteer or otherwise, I would always get at least one picture and then I would share what I was doing and say, if you want the same from me, contact me here. So I, I this is like a, like if you're first starting out, you have to, your social media is another form of your resume. And so if I want people to know that I'm, I'm, I'm available to speak at your woman's group, your church group, whatever, I'd be very clear, just spoke at Bethel Baptist today, taught the congregation or the women's group about budgeting and saving. It was so awesome. And then you would see the picture of all of us smiling. If you want me to do this at your church. So I was teaching the people who were following me or watching me how to hire me. And then I found this on a site called Wufu, W-U-F-O-O. That was like such a godsend. Because it's free. It's a free contact me form. So you can go to Wufu, fill it out and um, create a contact me form. And Wufu will give you a link. So what I found was the less work someone had to do, the easier it was for them to contact me. So I would say, contact me here. Instead of having them contact me via email, it would be the link to my Wufu contact form that went to my email. It's so much easier for someone to click a button, type in their message, and it gets sent to you than it is for them to remember your email, type it in, and send you an email. And so that helps significantly. And I did that every single time I, I spoke somewhere. You know, so excited to speak here. This is exactly what I did. I can do this for your organization. And without fail, every time I posted, I would get at least one or two inquiries, even if they didn't hire me, just people who were interested in learning more. So that's like just a great way to, um, to start. And then from there, I was like, okay, so I, there has to be, uh, it took me a long, there was a gap between me doing classes and figuring out what the next model was for earning money. But in the meantime, I started something called the Live Richer Challenge. I want to say 2015. And that came about because people who couldn't come to Newark for my United Way classes started asking me, I want to take those classes. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not in Pennsylvania. I don't know what to say. So I thought, you know what, what if I take these United Way, this cohort, and I bring it online? And so that's how the Literature Challenge started. The first one, it was supposed to be only one. It was the six-week course I taught at the United Way, but I, I, I made it five weeks and I put it online and I gave it away for free. And everyone, all my business friends, all my finance friends said I was stupid um, because they're like, Tiffany, Again, like I'm not going to make any money off the Live With Your Challenge, but I really wanted to, honestly, I'm really driven by being, like living a life of service. And I thought, well, I don't charge the, the people in class at the United Way to take these classes. So I'm not going to charge online. So I thought to myself, well, maybe I can get sponsorship. So I did reach out to some brands, and I think Prudential at the very end ended up giving me a little bit of money. I came out of pocket for the Live With Your Challenge. Don't ask me where I found this money. It took me a year to build it, and it, it cost me about $10,000, which is crazy because I didn't have... $10,000, but I was determined to build this thing. I reached out to some of your fave um, media outlets. I reached out to some of your fave financial brands and asked them if they could help subsidize paying for me creating the Live With Your Challenge. And then, you know, we could, you know, both of our names could be on it and we could help as many people as possible. Every single one of them said no. Every single, some of these brands that, that purport to, to helping black women, they all were not interested. And well, I remember well, being... Sorry, okay. take me back because we went from so you've you've gotten your first speaking gig, mm -hmm. or like you're you're starting to speak, 
And then you also have the idea to take the course that you have and put it online, right? Mm -hmm. But like you don't have, do you have a website yet? I mean, was the $10,000 spent on basically investing in building out the course online? Yeah, it was. So what happened was it would be like, okay, so I'm, I, I, I want to do the literature challenge, but I don't really have any money. So I spent bit by bit. I remember I said, I need a logo. So I paid for that, which I did not, but need a logo, <laughs> but I paid for the logo. And then I was like, okay, I need literaturechallenge.com. So I, I, I paid someone to make the site for me, but it looked terrible. So I ended up using Squarespace and building my own, but that was money lost. You know, and then I was like, okay, I, I have to figure out how do I, cause I'm not super tech savvy. I have to figure out how do I, um, how do I get people to sign up? So I, I signed up for like, I think it was like, I think I was using mad Mimi at the time. It's like a, it's like one of those email, um, platforms. So I had to pay for, for that where people can go to literaturechallenge.com, put in their name and email, and they would get an email about when it was going to start, but that was how I was going to communicate. Then I had to build a blog. I paid somebody for that. They did a terrible job. So I ended up, um, I think most of the money came from paying someone to do the platform, but it wasn't right. So then I ended up figuring out WordPress myself and building, cause that's where I was going to house the, 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 um, the, the daily task for the literature challenge. Where did so, you get the funds? Cause like if you're, were you, were you consistently speaking and getting income that way? Or were you like living off of your savings? I mean, a mix. So some of the funds were speaking. I started to pick up speaking more. Um, I still was working at the United Way. Um, and then what happened, even though my unemployment ran out, I would say the majority of the funds were the bank that owned my condo or yeah, the bank that owned my condo refused to take, stop taking money from me because they're like, if you can't pay the full 1660, we don't want your 1200. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, what? So guess who did want that 1200? Me. So that's, I was living off that too. <laughs> So it was a mix between speaking, I was babysitting, I was tutoring, and, and the money from um from from my my condo, my the rent from my condo because the bank wouldn't take it. So it was like a hodgepodge of like like little and plus my life, I, I was spending next to nothing on my life. I, I had deferred all my loans. My rent was five hundred. The car that I was driving, I had already bought it when I was in my twenties. Like it was paid off. I bought it cash for like five thousand bucks. So I had a really low personal overhead. Um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't really have many, many bills and $500 included everything where I was living. It included lights, electricity. We were right next to the library in Newark. So I got the internet for free. So, so basically all of my extra money was going into building this literature challenge. I, and I can't tell you why I was so adamant about building it. Something said that if I build this, this is going to change the trajectory of the budget Nista. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was adamant about building it. And it wasn't 10,000 altogether. It was over a year span. So like a thousand dollars for this, 1500 for that logo, you know, 2000 for the, for the website. So it was like all of these, like, it wasn't until I didn't even know I was spending that much because it didn't seem like that much. It wasn't until the end of the year when I met with my accountant that we added up how much I spent. And I was like, what? And, but thankfully Prudential, they, they came in at the last minute to become a sponsor and gave me about half that money back. So, and I didn't know anything about affiliates or anything. None of that was in the challenge. The first one was just a it was just, I'm just going to do it. And I think we had, my goal was 10,000 women. And by January um, of 2000, I think 15, we had 10,000 women signed up and we did the challenge and it became magical. Like it, 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 the challenge changed everything for me because one, it started to really build my audience. I went from maybe like 1500 people following me to 10,000 now. 
Two. I remember covering the literature challenge at Yahoo Finance. Yes, remember we, we I came and I did a video with you. And I remember being like, Tiffany's a budget she's got this business. She's like, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew it was the first time you were doing it, but something about the way you like presented yourself and like for all, like, like hearing it back now, like how bootstrapped it was and how you were sort of like cobbling it together. It didn't seem that way to me. You were on the, you were on like the front page of Yahoo. Yeah, I know. I'm not, not going to lie. At that time. So find was, yourself a sucker like me. No, I'm kidding. No, but, no, but honestly, at that time, I just, because I felt really strongly about it. Like I, even though I was, do, literally I had no help. Like it was myself. And I think I had an intern, Taylor at the time. Taylor, you know, Taylor. She was like interning with me at the time. Um, but I, I had like, honestly, like it, that first challenge nearly broke me because it was so much work. I was literally working for like months and months and months. I was working like, you know, 10 to 15 hour days nonstop because I was doing everything. And, but I was so passionate that this is really going to help save people. And it people was gonna- free. Yeah, And that is why like the value, I know people were telling you you're crazy for making it free to start with, but that's the reason I covered it is because it was post-recession and there were like the people that you were helping were the people that no financial planning company or investment firm was going to take time to help. And you were offering the service for free, which was so unusual, but it was exactly what people were constantly asking for. You're like, I'm a single mom with no additional income. How do I save money? You know, like I, I've got student loan debt coming out of my eyeballs. I can't afford a planner. What do I do? And there was never a good answer, but like, this was actually an answer you could give people. And then you build, it was like an investment on your part in the potential, but without really knowing must have been really scary. What, if this would all be worth it, but. Exactly. And I honestly, I I just thought to myself at the very least, I'm going to build my, my audience. And then two, I I will have helped people, which is always like my first and foremost goal. And I, I, and I, this is what I thought back then. I didn't, I mean, I know better now that I just figured that somehow if I did the good work, money would come. I didn't realize that you had to have a good work plan and a money plan. I just thought, well, if you just have a good work plan, money, money's going to come. And so after the first year of doing it, and it did so well, by the end of the year, we had 20,000 people signed up for the challenge because we did it live in January collectively together. And then at the end, there were people who were like in February who were like, I didn't get a chance. So I, I made it automatic where you could just sign up. Even now to this day, um, you could just sign up and start the next day with the challenge. And by the end of the year, like I said, I had 20,000 people that had gone through the challenge. And I started this Facebook group originally for, for the United Way cohorts where I can answer questions at once. And people from the challenge found the Facebook group and they started joining the Facebook group. And so that's where I would keep up with people as they were doing the challenge and we would connect there. And so it was great. I, it was just like this, like bumping movement, but no real money. Like I, like, like, you know, I was still speaking, but it wasn't really real money. I would say it wasn't until maybe like uh, five, four or five years into the Budgetista that I was like, okay, I'm consistently making at least a few thousand dollars a month. But in the beginning, it was touch and go. There'd be some months I'd be lucky to make 500 and some months I might make, you know, I remember the first time I made $10,000 in a month and I thought, yay, this is it. We're at 10,000. And then the next month I made 500. So it was really touch and go for the first four or five years. And it was a mix of but also what happened with the, the challenge. It was the first time I realized I could monetize something with the challenge. Cause someone said, what if I don't want to take this challenge online? It was, it was in December. I'll never forget. What if I don't want to take this challenge online? What if I want a book version? And I was like, well, why would you, <laughs> this is me. Why would you pay for a book when I'm giving this away for free? I was really didn't, I didn't want to do a book. So I thought that's stupid. Why, who's going to pay for a book? It's free. And they're like, yeah, but I like to hold a book. And I was like, okay. So I found a guy I had to pay him. That's a part of the 10,000 
to take the challenges and put them in book form. It was a few thousand dollars. And I remember being like, okay. And I, and I put it up. Now, meanwhile, the one week budget by now was still selling next to nothing. I put up the, um, the literature challenge book um, the same time that the challenge launched in January and it hit number one on Amazon in its category three days later. I couldn't believe it. People how much bought- were you selling it for? Um, I, I want to say like 10 bucks or something like that. Is it hard to set up an Amazon, like to sell a book on Amazon? Like what's that process like? Well, I, I'm sure it's a little different now, but because they used to call, call it create space, you just have to find it. It's basically the same. You find a designer to put it in the right format, which, which Amazon, I think they call it KDP now, which Amazon gives you like your designer would like set it up according to like whatever specifications they have in, in, in their back end office at KDP. And you just literally just upload it and they'll say how much you want to sell the book for. And you're like, mm, 10 bucks. And then Amazon will show you if you sell it for 10 bucks, this is how much money you're going to get. And that's literally it. And you press on and then it's on. <laughs> so, so it was really, it was, it's, it's fairly easy. The hard part is finding a designer to Hector, who's my designer. He's dope. But to find a designer that's going to uh, do the specifications right. Um, Because the designer I hired before that, I wasted a lot of money on terrible people, that he, it took months. He could not figure out the specifications. I suspect he really wasn't a designer. So finally I found Hector and within a day he had it up and running. So it's literally just once it's uploaded, it typically takes 24 to 48 hours for Amazon says this is the right specs. And then you click it's live. And so Hector did um, that. And he also did a, um, the um, Kindle version for me for Amazon. And so that book sold. And I was like, I think that's what it was that January, that book sold. And I think in January, that's the month I made $10,000 because it sold so much. I I couldn't believe it. And that's when I was like light bulb that people will buy other things for me, Tiffany. So for a number of years, I, I had speaking engagements. It was the United Way. And book sales. And I said, okay, now we're cooking with grease. This is, you know, like about three or four years into the budget Nista. Like, okay, so here are all the hodgepodge ways that money money's coming in. And and then I would um about three years ago, I wanted to do well, really four years ago, I, uh, I wanted to do something a little bit more consistent. And around this time, I had done another literature challenge. Like I said, it was year after year I was doing these new challenges. And I met my now current business partner, Jabril. We were both in this um black traveling group called Nomadness. And, um, I just remember thinking like, he was like a young 20 something like 26 or 27, but he traveled the world. And I saw he was a digital marketer. I had never even heard of that before. And, um, and, but I, I wanted to learn how do I market outside of just the organic way of me just posting on social media. And so I reached out to him. He's like, I've been watching you. I love what you're doing and how many people you're helping. And he, and by then I think I was on challenge two or three and he asked me, did I have any affiliates? And I was like, well, what's that? He's like, it's a referral program that if you refer a particular product or service, they'll pay you. He's like, for example, you have this one bank in here you always talk about. Did you know they were giving 25 bucks away per person that you sign up? I almost cried because, Mandy, I had signed up 2,500 people to that bank. Do the math of how much money I left on the table. Mm. 2,500. And I only only knew 2,500 signed up because I did a survey in the challenge to say, did you sign up for the bank account? 25,000 times $25, $62,500, Mandy. I could have made, I know. And so I was like, what? So he was the one who told you about affiliate deals. Yes. But because I always thought that they were scammy because I would, I'm not gonna lie, I would go to FinCon and hear people talk about affiliate deals. But the way a lot of people talked about them is that they were pushing things that, that weren't good for their audience. So I was like, I don't want to do that. And so he said, well, that's not how you would do it. He said, make a list of all the products and services that you use and like and trust. So I made a list of about maybe 15. And then of the 15, he said, these five have affiliate programs. Go sign up for them. 
And I did. And he was like, we're going to start to market. We're going to spend about 30 bucks a day. And I was like, who has 30 bucks a day? Not me. (laughs) And he was like, no, we'll take the money from the affiliate marketing money. And I said, okay. So he said, in the beginning, we'll just organically share your, these products and services that you've already been sharing, share them in the challenge, but you're already sharing them in the challenge, but now switch out the regular link like bank.com for bank.com slash Tiffany's affiliate. So I did that and I started, I did, I started with Ebates. I I remember, and I love Ebates and I was been sharing Ebates for years and Ebates was giving like, I don't know, 10 bucks per person. And I think my first check from Ebates, they pay you quarterly was like 2,500 bucks. And I was like, he's like, but that money is to go right back into marketing because you have to start to learn to market digitally. So we did that. And we started to use that money from um, from marketing to, to use that to market people to the next literature challenge that I had other affiliate links in. So I was like, ah, another source of income. So now I can sh- share the things I would normally share, but get paid for that. So that I would say the so much. So there's a, there's a, a brand that I work with now that, um, we wrote one email because I was so so excited. They were giving away a really dope free financial product that was amazing that I had used. And I wrote one email out to, to my audience and we made um, $100,000 in three days. When was that? Like how? This was last year. Oh, it was last was, year. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was like, whoa. Like, that's when I started to realize, like, you can make a lot of money with affiliates. So, because they were paying 25 bucks per person, but what they were giving away was so great. And I remember they actually called me and said, can you turn it off? I'm like, there's no way to, I didn't, this is not an ad. That was one email, but you're giving away something so great. They were giving away like a, a personalized investment plan, which you normally would have to pay like $1,200 for. And I knew because I had just paid $1,200 for it. Not from them, but for some, from, from my financial advisor. So I was like, yo, I literally just paid $1,200 for this. And it's it, the same advice that this company is giving is what my financial advisor gave me. Jump on this now because it's not always going to be free. And it's in people signed up in droves. So their so, affiliate, the person who wrote that affiliate agreement probably got fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were so excited. They, they actually, like, they deepened our relationship. So we have a deeper relationship with them now because they were so amazed at how many people I was able to send to them. So, but you don't have to have like hundreds of thousands of followers. You just have to have engaged people who, when you share something, they, you know, they, they listen. I have something called my Lisa rule. Lisa's my baby sister. And she's also a dream catcher that, Cause I would try anything. And I used to have a rule that if I would try it, I'll, you know, I'll suggest it to y'all. But then one day Lisa signed up for something from an email I sent out and she was like, Oh, I signed up for that, that app you mentioned in your email. And I was like, what app? And I was like, well, why are you nervous, Tiffany? Cause if it's good for you, it's good for everyone. Right. And I realized that's not true that I'm a lot more lenient with what I'm able to try. So I, I, I changed my rule and I said, no, I have to be willing for Lisa to be able to sign up for it without telling me and so, because I know I'm way more conservative with the things that I share with Lisa. And so I came up with my Lisa rule that has really served me well, that I won't share anything with Dreamcatchers if I could not comfortably say, Lisa, go ahead and do it. Um, so, so affiliate program came in and then three years ago, I said, well, let's look for more consistent income. And um, folks started asking me if I could teach investing. And I was like, no, although I invest with the help of my financial planner, I didn't feel comfortable teaching that. I'm not the investinista. And um, so we were going to actually start an investment club and people said that they would be willing to pay for it. And so the investment club idea seemed kind of narrow. So I thought, well, what if we taught more than just investing? What if we taught like really the next level of personal finance? I think basic personal finance should be free. That's why most of my um, like all the, the stuff that I give away as a budgetista, I give away almost everything. Right. But I thought to myself, well, what if 
with this next level, what if I created this online school where it's really next level, where I get financial experts that know more than me in their particular topic to teach and you guys pay for it? And they said, yes. And so the three years ago, the Literature Academy was launched in like May uh, 2016. And, um, and it was like, I remember we were going to make it like 25 bucks a month or something like that. And, but then people were like, oh, that's a little too high. I can't afford it. I said, okay, well, the first 2000 people will make it 10 bucks a month. Don't you know, they lined up like they were Jordans. They were up at six. They broke the site all day long. We made $30,000 in the first day. I couldn't, I couldn't even wrap my mind. This is back then. So I was like, what? And I think at the time the launch made us about $70,000 over that week. And it was like the first time that I realized, whoa, there's a different business model out there. There's this subscription model. So the Academy since then has made, this year we made $3,000, but of all time, we've made just under $6,000 with the Academy. A six thousand, six million dollars with the Thank academy. Thank you. I was about to say what? <laughs> I Wait, know, six, six million. Six million with the academy in how many years? In in um uh, three years. This year alone, though, we made three million. Wow, and that is because so the model is that people pay monthly to access it, right? They pay monthly to access it. So now it's okay. um it's it's fifty nine ninety nine a month, but we always give a. I, I'm always having a sale, forty percent off sale. So typically people pay around twenty nine ninety nine a month. But what I do is I get like top tier experts, typically women and honestly women of color, because I want you to see yourself in the academy. And they teach um, a class anywhere ranging from if it's ask the expert, ask the experts are about an hour to forty five minutes. But then we also have deeper, longer classes as long as a month long. Some of them are a few days long. It depends really like what kind of learner you are. But we have these amazing classes from how to trade, how to invest, retirement, legacy planning, um, how to buy a car, how to talk to your spouse about money. Really next level. Um, you know, like, like I said, retirement, like, um, next level things like Sandy teaches a side hustle course. So I really tapped into my expert friends to teach these amazing lessons and the Academy has just been bumping and jumping. And, um, and so that is my, that is my consistent source, but I purposely created because the budget needs is the business of Tiffany. And it, it got to start, I wanted to start to have a family. I wasn't married yet, but, um, Superman and I were close and I knew that, I didn't want that only source of income to be like, I have to show up as, as Tiffany, the budget Nista. And so the Academy allowed me to take a step back because I get to disseminate the expertise between myself and 50 other experts. People don't really look for me inside the Academy because I'm not the most expert of all the experts. They're looking at all the other experts and it's been awesome. And so I have a team that runs the Academy and um, I just check in with them. So it's allowed, it's allowed me to like have this second business with my with my business partner um, Jabril, where he does the marketing. I have a manager. We have customer support, and um, but it's been like the first though. But the first year, although we made that seventy thousand, it was really hard because we couldn't find the right platform. It was it, it, we almost closed down like so many times because we ran out of money, and um, it just wasn't. I, I, we could not figure out you know, um, what type of classes to have, how to lay out the website. We just finally, quite honestly, got it together this year because there's like last year I told, um, Jabril, my business partner, I don't think this is going to work. It's like, I, I, like it, the website is a mess. I can't find anything. And we, we paid like $8,000 to get it totally redesigned. And we did a launch. So our first launch, we made 70,000 and we were geeked so, so much. So like six months later, we did another launch, but we were lazy with it. So we made 35,000 and we realized like mm, the effort you get put in is what you get back. Then the set, the third launch, I want to say we made 250,000, but that was like a survival launch because we, we had, we ran out of money. And I was like, if we're going to really try to save this Academy, we have to have money to last us for the next, for a year. 
And so we, we did that launch. We made the 250, but the 250 was really there to give us the space to learn how to run this company. Um, and then the, the launch that we did earlier this year uh, made 550000 And so, but now we're cooking with Greece in the Academy. We fi- I feel like we finally have found our stride after three years. It's getting better. I, I always like, I'm hard on, on us. I give us like us, the Academy, like um, a solid B, but I'm like, I want an A++. So that's what we're working toward. But we have some, some great new things that we're adding. And by 2020, um, we're going to be an A++ because we are fat, like quickly approaching that. Even though when I ask members of the Academy, they're like, I like it. I'm like, mm-mm. I, I know we can do better. Well, um, it's also like, if the what if you had waited to perfect it all these yeah. years? Like, imagine how much money you wouldn't have made. Exactly. You know? so, and then how can you perfect it if you don't get the feedback from people? And then That's one of the things that has that. been our saving grace, honestly, is transparency. Because I would literally go live every week and say, hey, I know this thing is this one part of the academy is not working. What do you think we should do? Like, I would always be really honest. And then they would be like, well, can you do this? And I'd say, okay, hold on. Then I would try to find someone to help. And I'm like, okay, I found this guy, Tom. He's going to fix it. Do you want a purple? Do you want a green? Do you want a left to the right? So there was always this acknowledgement of, I know we can do better. What's your feedback? And then I would come back and say, we fixed it. How do you like it? Should we do better? So that was our saving grace inside the Literature Academy, was that there was always this sense of like, what is it that you want? What can I do better? Like people, when Bitcoin was a big thing, People reached out to me and like from the academy and they said, we want to learn about Bitcoin. It took me a week. I interviewed five different experts to teach. And I found one, Cassandra Cummings, who's amazing. And she taught a class. So you requested it a week later. I, and I let them know I'm interviewing people. I'm down to the last two. We found someone. So I, I find that for us in business, it's not about perfection, but it's that transparency. And we have a true desire to serve. So I want you to see that. So you know that when I mess up or something's not perfect, it's not for lack of trying. You know, I think that's important that I don't want you to see that like, well, dang, I don't like this. And, and it's behind this like uh, this curtain. I want you to see that like, I know I don't like it either. We're trying to fix it. If you have any suggestions, please bring them to the table. So we're we are so much better as a result of not not trying to hide our imperfections, but to show them and show them how we're working on them. And um, by, by January 2020, the trajectory that we're on now with growth, I think we're going to hit our first Definitely, definitely by first quarter with where we are now. But by January, that's what it's looking like. We're going to hit our first seven-figure month, which would be insane. Imagine a million dollars a month. Um, but that's where we're, we're, we're um, headed now. The last, the last few months of uh, the Academy, we've, we've like, um, I want to say that we're probably averaging maybe $350,000 a month in recurring income. This is, okay, so I know we're hitting, coming up on the end of the show. Obviously, we need to do a part two. Obviously. <laughs> Because we have, we've gotten, we've hit the miles, like the, the the big components of how you built your business. But I feel like there's like small ways and small strategies and money making yep. tips that you can offer people. So we'll do another episode for sure. But before we do that, I just want to do a recap of the lines of business that um, are really like b- that that really fund the budgetista, you know, ink that you've created. Um, and then also how like how do you prepare for the future? Do you see the academy sustaining you guys? for years to come or, you know, how, what Ooh, do you, I can't wait to share. I have some okay. big things. So I would say that, so I, right now there are three companies that I have the budget needs to the original personality brand, which is books, speaking engagements. We didn't even get into spokesperson work, but we could talk about that next time. So books, speaking engagements, spokesperson work, um, and, and, and teaching that's the budget Nista. then the literature Academy, which is the online school. And then we also have, it's, we call it TJMS. It's literally just Tiffany Jabril Marketing Solutions. When people come to, uh, come to me and say, hey, 
you know, I want you to do, sometimes we get invited to an invite only affiliate program and Jabril will run ads to that affiliate program. And so because of that, he's a partner and he's not a partner in the Budgetista, but he's a partner in the Academy and this marketing company that we have. So that's the third company. And so those are the three companies that really fund, and aside from Brown Ambition, because we're, we're a company as well, but that's really what funds Budget Nista Inc. The marketing company to handle the affiliate programs, the Budget Nista, which is the business of Tiffany, and the online school. And um, yeah, it's just been like the TJMS, um, it, it, it makes as much money as we put effort into, which we have not put as much effort as we could, because now we're most of our, our energy is put into the Live uh, Richer Academy. But one thing I have learned is that there are so many ways. L- Lynette Calfani Cox, which is one of my um, mentors, she told me a long time ago, years ago, probably about six or seven years ago, about ways that me, myself, I, how I can make business. And one of those ways is something called a satellite media tour. I just did one a few days ago. And you make anywhere from ten dollars to $30,000. And I, I made, I think, about $25,000. Um, and it, for, to sit down for four hours in front of a camera and all of these like um, media outlets will basically call in via video. And um, you are like, basically, I'm live in Charlotte on ABC 12. I'm live in Nashville, NBC 3. And they'll and pay then, you for those interviews? Because usually you don't pay people to like do interviews for media. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a tour. So, so, so the, the company, there's a company, let's just say the company is Brown Ambition, right? Brown Ambition says we have messaging we want to get out there. So our, our, there's a satellite media tour company that hits up all these media platforms and says, would you like some tips on Brown Ambition's messaging? So maybe we're not going to say, listen to Brown Ambition. Maybe we'll say like, um, the messaging is three ways to get on financial track in the new year. But Tiffany, we want you to weave in Brown Ambition because ABC wants three ways to get on track for the new year. And it just happens to come along with, you know, me talking about Brown Ambition because that's the company that's hired me to weave them into the messaging. You see what I mean? And so Brown Ambition gotcha. is who pays. Yeah, so not NBC or ABC, they're not paying me. Brown Ambition pays me to weave them in to this messaging. And so when I tell you, I was like, I remember when Lynette told me, she's like, that's for the big dogs, so though. That won't be for years from now. And she was right. I just got booked to do another one, and they're paying me 30000 And actually, someone just emailed me minutes before this podcast to do another one. So satellite media tours, as they're called SMTs and, and radio media tours, that's another. Now, that's a Tiffany like that's Tiffany income or budget Nista income, like the original company income. So I would say the budget Nista, budget Nista doesn't make a million uh, dollars a year. Cause I slowed down tremendously. Um, but it, I would say the budget Nista probably, uh, two, 2019 has probably made about uh, maybe a little over half a million dollars. But remember that's with, I, that's with me cutting back. I don't even speak hardly anymore. This is mostly spokesperson work. This, um, uh, satellite, satellite media tours, book sales that happen b- basically kind of organically. It's also, um, some speaking engagements, but typically localized, but because now I'm getting a uh, brand, brand ambassador work too, where I signed a, s- a six figure contract to do a brand ambassador work for, for a company. It's like a month long engagement. So, but, but here, the reason why I'm able to do those things now is because of that live richer challenge that everyone said I was foolish to do for free. That challenge helped to build my community, helped to build trust, helped to introduce people to me and my my way of thinking and the way I navigate. It really helped to build this like, just like army of folks that are like, we love what the budget needs to do. So as a result, 
there are companies and agencies who want to be in alignment with me. I say no way more than I say yes. Like I, the budget needs to could easily make over a million dollars a year if I said yes to everything. But I say no to most things because most things, quite honestly, are crappy and they're not good for you. So I would never sell my soul or sell y'all out to some company that I know is detrimental to your financial journey. But but that literature challenge changed the game for me. I cannot ex- I, like I cannot express how important it for me that maintaining like service as our most important aspect of the company has transformed into this like collectively this multi-million dollar like you know like ink be- because of service and it's possible but you you have to have a service plan and a money plan it, it took me a few years to realize that the money didn't just come it wasn't until Jabril said monetize the challenge if you're going to share the company anyway, see if they have a referral program. Oh, that's the business plan or the money plan. You see what I mean? Like I have to be really conscious of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sell spots inside my academy. I have to be mindful that yes, the academy is great and dope, but I have to, I have to sell. People have to buy a subscription. I can't just have a thing and, and not be mindful that how is it going to make money? And so but, we've got, go ahead. But I don't want to, and this is like the magic of the budget Nista that I feel like people need to understand is you were you were making investments and you were a smart businesswoman because you understood audience and the power of community. So you built the goodwill and the trust with your community so that when you were ready to do, you know, to start exactly. selling, you had people lining up who were trusted you and were willing to hop on board, you know, and and if you start with the money first and you're immediately selling people something it's just, it's a different relationship, you know, it's a, it's a different, and, and, and I mean, I'm speaking for you, but I feel like that is the, this, like the je ne sais quoi, like that little magic ingredient that, you know, that other, when you say you want to be an influencer, like that's lowercase I, like Tiffany truly in a, in a way that's meaningful and not predatory have become that. And that I feel like is, and, and that's really how you sustain that kind of level of business at, you know, in the, in that way. No, it's true. And also, too, I just think that I, I purposely keep the influencing money to, to the low end, like under 25% of what the budget needs to bring in on purpose, because my father would say, he who pays the piper determines the tune. So if all of your money comes from brands, guess who you have to listen to? Brands. I didn't, I don't want that. I, I, I don't, I want to be able to, if a brand is not a fit, I want to be able to walk away from the money because I'm also not beholden to the money because it's not the majority of my business. I've told many brands, some of your fave brands that you think is your fave, but they don't care about you. I mean, I saw, most of the big banks have hit me up. Ask me if you see a big bank that I've worked with. I have not because quite honestly, most of them are not great. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm not here to cape for you and to trick dream catchers into thinking that you're wonderful when you know you're not. Because here's the thing. If something is wonderful, everything I share is not monetized. What I do is I figure out what's working and I share it. Then I look to see, does this does the thing I'm sharing have a referral program? If they do, great. And if they don't, still get shared. So that is our rule is that we look for good things to share. And if they, there's a way to monetize it, great. But if not, we still... Sh- we still share it. And I tell that to brands all the time who are trying to like, like lure me in with money. I'm like, yo, if you were dope and you actually did right by people, I would share you for free because it's my intention to help as many people as possible. Like you telling me, I actually told a big bank this once and they were like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll pay you. I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, well, you know what? That's cute. But we made that last week. So there, what do you, you're going to pay me a million dollars. We made that more than that this year. So, you, so meaning that like there's not enough money that you can pay that would make sense for me to share something that's not helpful to my audience. How about you just build something good 
and then I'll share you as, as, as much as possible. You wouldn't even have to pay me hardly as much. Yeah, because and so, you would um, risk breaking their trust if you sold them bad products and then they wouldn't exa- continue signing up for the products you, you know, the other ex- products. Exactly. So like, but so just keeping that in mind that it's a slower grow. I took the long meandering route to entrepreneurship. And a lot of people don't want to do that because, you know, you want to make money right away. I get it. But I took the route of building trust, building community, you know, building relationships. And now the truth is now like the, the 10 years in, I mean, some of the things that come to my inbox, it's crazy. Like I, it still blows me away. Like, yo, you want to pay me what? Like, but that's only after all this time of, of building that trust relationship and, and community with the people that I serve. And so now, like, like I mentioned to you guys last time, I, um, I, you know, I talked about Molly Moore on Brown Ambition and someone hit me up from a major, major, major studio was like, I've been watching you. I love what you do. Let's do it. Let's turn her into a show. I'm like, you haven't even read the book or seen it. And she's like, yeah, but it's you, Tiffany. And I'm like, wow, how do you creating that? But it's you that people are going to buy into the thing that you're doing because of, of what you brought to the table. So it's just like, I mean, even now today I'm meeting with this woman, a producer who I was talking to her about Molly Moore. And she's like, Oh, that sounds great. But what about you? I would love for you to have a show. She works for some big production company. I don't honestly, I don't know if I want to have a show, but like myself personally, cause I'm like, Oh, I want to be a mom. I don't know if I want to, you know, that's just, a, it seems like a lot. But the fact that like, people are literally like, here, here's a show, Tiffany. Would you like to be on here? Have your own show. I mean, that doesn't, that, that comes from all these years worth of work. And I know a show would pay like a ton of money, but eh, at this point, I'm like, what do I also, I need money for? We have a house. We don't have a mortgage. I have my little putt putt car, which is plenty. Like uh Supergirl's college fund is basically funded. For me, more money is not enough of a trigger. There has to be something greater um, that, that they're coming to the table with. But I just share all that to say that like, it's possible to do all this. I mean, I used to be a preschool teacher. I have no experience other than that, that like, but really, I really try to adhere to, you know, why I started my mission, which is to help as many women live a better life, give them the tools and the resources and the access to live a better life. And especially women of color, because we've been left out of the financial conversation. But yeah, like some of the things like, like I'm, I'm writing my first real book with a, with an actual book agent. Well, I won't say real book, but like a book that I'm not self-publishing. So I'm excited about um, uh, that. Molly Moore, it's looking like something. When I tell you all the rest of the stuff that I've done, Mandy, I feel it. Molly Moore is going to blow the rest of the stuff out of the water. It's going to look like I, I know it and I feel it. It's the same thing I felt with the literature challenge. I knew it was going to change the budget needs to. I knew it. I felt it. So that's why I, that's why I invested the time and the energy and money. And Molly Moore, I've actually never felt it more strongly than that that character. There's something there. I really believe that Molly Moore can be a billion dollar business. Honestly, there's something there. It's just, it's, it's been, I've been thinking about Molly Moore for the last 15 years and it's been nagging me. And now it's starting to come to fruition. Molly Moore is going to blow everything else I've ever done out of the water. I know, I know it. And I've invested a lot of time, energy, and money, honestly, into Molly Moore because I know it. So don't be afraid to, to invest something, invest your time, energy, and money into to investing in an idea that you can't, you don't really know the end goal, but you can feel like there's something really magical and special here because that means that there is. And so, um, yeah, hopefully 10 years from now, we'll be talking about Molly Moore, not even maybe five years from now about like, remember you said, and I'm like, I know I told you, I felt it. I didn't know what, I didn't know how, but I felt it and I feel it. But, um, no, this has been fun. (laughs) I've had a great time. (laughs) No, you have so many, so many gems, gems. on. I'm just going to name this podcast gems on gems on gems. (laughs) 
um well thank you i mean five years having done almost five years having done the show with you it still it still feels like i'm learning bits and pieces about your journey because i feel like you've only and you've also uh, being on this side of it too you you reflect like taking the time to reflect back on things that you know that you've done i mean you should you should be so proud and i'm so excited for you and all that's to come and I know people probably have tons of questions. We're going to do a part two faux show. I don't know when it'll air because, like I said, at this point in time, I may be delirious, you know, <laughs> with a baby, <laughs> with a baby uh, technically in the future. So but we'll definitely do a part two with Tiffany. So send in your questions. In the meantime, go to brownambitionpodcast.com. Ask us anything. Hit us up on Instagram at brownambitionpodcast on the gram. Uh, DM us. Or you can email us directly, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com with your questions on how Tiffany has built the budgetista, makes money, and any tips you guys want on how, you know, whatever you're struggling with to make money yeah. with. Yeah. And also, too, like, you know, if you, I, I, I would love to hear your story. Share that with me on social. And yes, I would love some of your questions. So for part two, we could be more focused and, and that you know my story, but like we can really answer your questions on, on part two of like, this is my issue. Try to be as specific as possible. Um, so that way I can give like, you know, what exactly are you trying to do? What is your desired outcome? Where are you now? So it will give me the, you know, it'll give me the opportunity to really dig in and, and help you as best I can. I mean, I think we have the next iteration of the Live Richer Challenge is all for business owners you know, entrepreneurs. Just mm. saying, just going to put that out there. Um, well, thank you for letting me feel like Guy Raz from How I Built This for an hour. <laughs> Yo, that's my thing. If I could get on, that's why I'm like, ooh, just wait, Guy. I feel like I want to be like founder of the Molly of Molly Morris coming on. Like, honestly, yeah. I would die to be on Guy Raz's show. Like, that would be my, that's like my one day to be on How I Built This. I would love, because I feel like, you know. You will be, because, but you don't have a business that is as easy as like, oh, the woman who created Kind Bars, or no, it was a guy, I think. But what's, but but they're missing, because it's not as simple to break apart your business. You know, it's not just like one single product. It's it's so many different things. But, um, I mean, I would write in, everybody write into Guy Rass. Tommy's got to interview <laughs> Tiffany. He's missing, well, not- he's missing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like not yet, because I feel like everybody there has made like $100 million. I'm like, we have not made that yet. But but definitely, I'm working toward like being that level of um of business. But um, no, I think, honestly, this was great. Because I don't really, honestly, I'm, everybody asks me about personal finance. So it's not often that I get to like share the business. Because I love being transparent about like what worked, how much we made. Um, the team knows, you know, because I... I feel like transparency leads to transformation. So, you know, I don't mind sharing numbers and I don't mind sharing like losses and stuff. Cause I feel like I wish somebody would have told me I can make money doing what? Absolutely. Like, you know, you can, like these things are out there and how to do so. Like it shouldn't be those people who are hiding. Typically it's because maybe they've grown up that way, but a lot of times it's because they're not really making any, you know, not really making the income they're, they're pretending that they're making. And then you you're chasing after like something that someone's doing that, that's not really working. It's not real. I feel like, how do you really help folks if you're not being honest about like how the journey that you've gone through? So, yeah. So yeah. Until, until, until part two, I'm already like 20 minutes after. So yeah, I wish me luck though. I'm meeting with that producer who wants to give me my own show. Although I'm not concerned. I'm not convinced I want my own show, but wish me luck. Um, hopefully I have some good news when I come back. Good luck. Don't be late. (laughs) All right. Wish, uh, Wish me luck too. Future Mandy. Yes. Wherever you are, you're Use doing your it, girl. Baby. Give, give, give the baby a hug and a kiss. <laughs> I will. All right. Well, chat with you guys soon. Uh, stay tuned to Facebook and Instagram. We'll update you guys on when our next show will be. 
Yes, and share our show. Share with your friends. Come on now. I feel like we've done you a good service with our amazing programming. If you have not shared, <laughs> shared and told a friend, that um, you know, that's the only Quality thing Quality programming, I brought it with <laughs> You know, but share us, share us, share us. Yes. All right, good luck. All right, thank you. All right, bye. bye. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.